From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Oregon legalized adult cannabis use eight years ago, and people flocked from all over the country to use the drug legally. Cannabis grew into a billion-dollar industry with hundreds of millions from the drug's taxes pouring into programs across the state. Across the country, attitudes about cannabis are shifting. A whopping 88% of Americans support legalization. That's according to Pew Research. And the drug is now legal in 23 states, three U.S. territories, and Washington, D.C. But the industry is plagued by issues on the federal level where it's still illegal. Meanwhile, local crime oversupplied the black market and high fees are threatening local businesses in an industry that is still less than a decade old. Thanks for joining us for Straight Talk today. I'm Ashley Korslin in for Laurel Porter. Our guests today are Joy Hudson and Marissa Rodriguez. Together, they're the founders of Nimble, an Oregon wholesale cannabis distribution company. Joy is a board member of the Cannabis Industry Alliance of Oregon, and Marissa serves on the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission, that's OLCC, and Oregon Health Authority, Rules Advisory Committees and Work Groups. Thanks for being here, both of you. Joy and Marissa were recognized as women of influence this year by the Portland Business Journal as well, which is incredible. So, <laughs> so you. happy to have you both today. We want to start a little bit by talking about uh, some of the changing attitudes surrounding the cannabis uh, industry, cannabis use. In the last 10 years, support for legalization and cannabis use have both grown. In fact, if you look at the screen here, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that 90%, just about 90% of Americans said that marijuana should be legal in some form. About 60% of people said it should be legal for both medical and recreational use. Half of adults now say they've tried marijuana at least once, according to Gallup polling, and that is a new record too. So I'd like to ask both of you to start. Would you say that cannabis use is being normalized? Would you go that far quite yet? What, what, what's your take on that, both of you? I would. I would say that um, I've seen a tremendous difference even in myself. I wasn't mm -hmm. a consumer before I came into the industry. Um, and in 2015, when I entered the industry and began consuming, I found all kinds of both recreational and medical uses for it that I still use today. So it's, it is changing. Marissa, how about you? Yeah, I'm grateful um, for a regulated marketplace uh, with regulation uh, and, you know, coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a lot of product innovation, which I think has um, it's inspired curiosity with potential new consumers, um, you know, being able to dose more carefully or eat candy instead of smoke something. Um, and, and with that, uh, lessens the stigma that you know the more that we um, reach out to folks who have curiosity. You actually touched on something that I want to get into. I found this really interesting, this statistic. So seniors, in fact, are the fastest growing population of cannabis users. If you look here, a federal survey found that uh, the share of Americans over 65 using the drug has tripled, in fact, in the past decade. So it went from 11% in 2009 to 32% in 2019. So I guess let's talk about how the legalization maybe changed the stigma. Marissa, you mentioned that, but let's talk about people who might have been hesitant to try in the past. What, what's been your experience with that? 
I think that there's a handful of those seniors that maybe had consumed cannabis before <laughs> and and that they're returning to it. They're at an, an age and the market is um, opening itself up to, to for safe access. Mm -hmm. And um, you are seeing generations return Mm -hmm. return to cannabis. When you kind of hit on that, they, they feel like it's a, maybe a safer industry. So opening it up, do you think that's had a big impact on, uh, on maybe the trust people have with the industry? What about that? Sure. Uh, you know, and, and, and the destigmatization, you know, so that they can go to a store, they mm -hmm. don't have to find someone in their neighborhood. They can get a particularly dosed product. There's an expert behind the counter who can advise them. Um, and uh, they're not worried about breaking the law. Right. I'm sure that's had a big impact Absolutely. Uh, on people who were hesitant wanting to try again now. Um, let's talk about the impact on the economy. What does the cannabis industry bring into Oregon's economy? Let's start there maybe before we talk national figures. 2022, we were $170 million in tax wow. dollars to Oregon, and we're tracking the same for this year. And those funds go to um, education, they go to law enforcement, and they go to health and rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And what about nationally? Do you know how those numbers compare? I'm just oh, curious. No, I mean, that's a good stat. We should know that. Yeah, okay, well, when you find that out, let me know. Um, over the years, uh, since adult use was legalized, we've really seen a surge in new cannabis businesses. Um, prices started to tank. I mean, people would say that the market got oversaturated. Was that what you witnessed? It, it absolutely is the case. I mean, here in Oregon alone, we have over 800 cannabis retailers. And to give you an example, we have 519 Starbucks and McDonald's combined. Mm -hmm. We have 282 liquor stores. So having over 800 wow. retailers is way too many. Yeah, those numbers <laughs> definitely do put it into perspective. Marissa, what was your experience with that? Did you see that market saturation, you know, you know hit a point, a, a particular point in time that you said, oh, this might not look good for new businesses? I would say even as early as like 2019, um, we started to be concerned about the number of licensees, mm -hmm. the number of producers who are the farmers who are growing the product, processors, all of the license types. There were more of us um, than, than consumers um, in Oregon. Uh, and we do have um, a lot to contend with. Mm -hmm. What is the process for new licensees these days? I mean, what is the conversation surrounding maybe capping the number of people who can apply and get a license at this point? Great question. We, um, I sit on the board of the Cannabis Industry Alliance and we were active in a, a license moratorium that mm -hmm. is uh, right now, you cannot apply for a license. That is until April of 2024. And we're looking for a more permanent fix that looks more like a per capita model that, um, that liquor, um, that, that that liquor stores today um, are by per capita. And so what that would look like is um, not releasing new licenses until such time that sure. there is a lower license count. And um, I think that that is the best fix for um, a market that has massive oversupply. When the moratorium 
is up. Do you want to share what you expect to see happen? I mean, do you expect that to be re-implemented at some point or would, at that point is it well, open for? <laughs> last time there was a moratorium and it expired. Mm -hmm. There were 500 licenses within. Applications within, I, the, I don't, can't remember if it was the first like day or six yeah. days. Yes, <laughs> it was so quick. There was over 500 so, and majority of them were processing and were um, wow. producing. So they were okay. growers licenses. And so I, I if, if history repeats itself, that we would see the same thing happen in, in April of next year. But I do anticipate that both the OLCC um, and the industry is interested in seeing a permanent solution put in place. You know, when I think of, um, there's so much, uh, uh, sorry, there's so much competition rather. Sorry. Are there tactics or techniques or, you know, marketing strategies when it comes to growers or businesses to really try to stave off the competition, try to increase revenue? So you think like craft brew breweries, right? Do Are there artisanal strains? Are there strategies that have been helpful for businesses to really drive up demand at their, at their businesses? Yes, at the grower level, um, a strain varieties, growing styles, um, all of those things create the end product mm -hmm. and not any one strain of cannabis is comparable to the other. Um, um, there are some really beautiful craft strains that are grown here in Oregon. Marissa, would you like to weigh in on that too? Maybe how to set a business apart from because there is so much competition. Yeah, I mean at the grower level, I think that Joy just totally nailed it. Um, uh, you know, at the brand level, so the products that you see on the shelf, you know, really differentiating yourself from other brands on the shelf with consumer education, um, color, you know, consistency, mm -hmm. consistency, mm -hmm. um, you know, just thoughtfulness, training to staff so that they understand the products, um, and and then actually being consistent in in supplying the stores. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, on the illegal front with black market grown, illegally grown marijuana. How big of a problem is that to the legal side of the business, the people who do go through the permitting, the licensing process? I mean, I would think there's quite a bit of push and pull there. Yeah, the illicit market is still alive and well. Um, that said, I think that Oregon has done a good job at not increasing taxes because as soon, you know, the thing that will drive a consumer back to the illicit market is price. Sure. And so we have to be thoughtful about the regulations and the taxing um, that our state puts on cannabis in order to keep those consumers coming to recreational shops. Can you do you know where a lot of this illicit marijuana is coming from the, the the illegal kind of business angle of it? Well there is a task force in Southern Oregon that is really tackling this effectively right now. They I mean we are hearing of quite a few shutdowns mm -hmm. that are happening in Southern Oregon and I think that that's the majority of where it's happening because it's happening in, in a lot of outdoor spaces sure. um, and so that's that is it's a problem. Would businesses you say like to see more oversight or help from the DEA, for example, in combating this issue. I mean, what is the kind of the the feeling behind getting more help, maybe from the federal government or even the state government? I, I think cooperation with law enforcement is really important, um, uh, and we're lucky we have really great relationships with Oregon law enforcement, and they're trying to help. What about state and local leaders? What sort of oversight or help would you like to see in the future in Oregon? 
Oh gosh, I would like to see, and in, in, uh, you know, what I believe is happening, but I'd like to see it happen in a deeper way, where both our regulators and our legislators are working more hand in hand with the industry through our associations or otherwise, to. Um, to build the framework for a more successful future. Sure. Uh, you know, cannabis businesses weren't eligible for any federal COVID relief funding, and obviously banking is still a huge issue in the industry as well. Um, it is still classified as a Schedule One controlled substance, and that scheduling means cannabis businesses that they have to do their banking in cash. But the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recently recommended cannabis be reclassified from Schedule One to Schedule Three, and that would be under the Controlled Substances Act. So let me explain here. Schedule one is the most restrictive. That's for drugs seen as having no medical use and high potential for people to abuse them. Schedule one substances also difficult for scientists to research. Schedule three substances are considered to have an accepted medical use and a relatively lower potential for abuse. So if it is rescheduled, um, Joy, Marissa, I'd like you to weigh in. What difference do you think this would have when it comes to maybe how marijuana is treated at the federal level? I know that's a that's a big question. <laughs> it's actually really important. Um, one of the things that affects all cannabis businesses ac across the country is a little known tax code called 280E. Mm. And it doesn't allow us to deduct our business expenses other than cost of goods sold before our tax liability is calculated. Mm. So we are essentially paying income tax on payroll Mm. on our rent, mm -hmm. on our insurance, on all of our regular business expenses. And this is because we are a Schedule One drug. If and when we are to be a Schedule Three drug, 280E immediately goes away and it creates a lot more cash flow for Oregon businesses. Everybody is operating at razor thin margins sure. or just losing and waiting mm -hmm. for, this for this change. Um, and to be able to have cash flow. How optimistic is this to happen? If so, when? It's remarkable. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> it was interesting news. Um, uh, I, I can say though that within this news, we, nobody has seen this letter yeah. yet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, there has been some record requests put out there for the actual letter to read the language, but that has not been satisfied yet. Okay. Well, you know, Congress has also talked about safe banking for years. That is such a big topic is, is the financial regulation aspect of this. Um, banks changing laws maybe around the way marijuana businesses can use or the federal government rather to use the banking system. Uh, the most recent attempt called the safer banking Act, and that um, is bipartisan effort. It does have bipartisan support. It's led by Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, among others. Does that seem like that could make its way across the finish line and become a reality? Oh, we hope so. <laughs> we really do. We really hope so. I mean, we are so fortunate in Oregon. MAPS Credit Union in Salem has been banking cannabis since the very early days. They're really reasonable, thoughtful, organized, professional. They have been a great partner to a lot of businesses, but Safer Banking uh, will get us more banking services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can't get a line of credit, you know, even if we're a remarkably successful company. Payment um, processing. Payment processing, you know, uh, you know, we can't, you know, even sell a t-shirt on a website, right? You so know, it really would be so revolutionary. It, it would, would be. If and when Absolutely. that, yeah. I mean, do you have faith that that will happen in the, in the time you'll be in this career? Oh, for yes, sure. We yes. do. That will happen. So the Safer Banking Act, it, from what I understand, is actually out of committee, which is a 
a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's been, you know, been it's getting there. It's, it's, it's along, been it lobbying or lobbying around, you know, for for years. Um, and and this we're hopeful this is the farthest it's gone. You know, Oregon um, has been such a, a pioneer in this industry, one of the first states to fully legalize marijuana. Um, I'm sure you see Oregon as maybe a national leader on this front. But what about the future growth for the industry in Oregon? Where do you see it going? Well, the future growth for Oregon, because we are a market that should be heavily exporting cannabis. And there's some interesting stats on exporting of agricultural items in in Oregon. Yeah, um, there was a report last year uh, that Business Oregon uh, commissioned and um, cannabis is you know stuck in Oregon. Oregon cannabis is in Oregon. You can't cross state lines with it. But we have a lot of other like really remarkable successful uh, agricultural industries, nursery and trees mm -hmm. is like the biggest agricultural industry in uh, in Oregon, and they get to export. Except for cannabis, cannabis revenue is greater than Oregon nursery revenue, and and imagine what we can do if we could leave Oregon. The other thing is, is we have a tremendous amount of talent. We have we have generations and and a legacy of talent, of grower talent, of processor talent, of, of manufacturing talent. We have a lot of talent and we have like the best cannabis. Well, that's a positive note <laughs> to take a break here. We will take a short break, but when we come back, we will talk about working in the cannabis industry. For the first time, it's considered by many as a legitimate career path. So we will explore efforts underway to get workers in the door. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Straight Talk. Today we're talking all about Oregon's cannabis industry with two of Oregon's leaders in the industry. In our first segment, we talked about some of the trials it's experiencing and the challenges facing from both the state and federal levels. But it's also a really a new industry for people to think about working in. So I'm joined by Joy Hudson and Marissa Rodriguez. Thank you for being here today. Let's talk about some of the jobs that are available in the cannabis sector. I think that there are jobs available in all areas of the industry, um, from entry level all the way to C-suite. Um, we see um, a pretty healthy job posting um, on, the, on the job market. Yeah. Marissa, would you like to weigh in on that too? Maybe some types of jobs, if people are thinking, I want to get into this sector, what, what would they be looking at doing? How do you get your foot in the door? Yeah, I, like really like any other industry, like we have sales, we have mm -hmm. manufacturing, we have, you know, production, you know, farm work, we, all of it, you mm -hmm. know, science, like there are, there's, there's kind of a, a role for, for anyone in the industry. Have you, over the past decade or so, have you seen it really become streamlined as far as getting new applicants and new people in the door when it comes to growth, employment growth? What have you noticed? Um, I'm actually finding that we're getting um, a better pool of applicants, okay. um, that the more the stigma changes sure. of cannabis, the more that they're, that um, the fear of what it would do to your resume goes away. Um, people are finding their way, a higher quality of candidate is finding their way into the cannabis space. What about um, pay benefits? Uh, is, is there still work that needs to be done to make this really a, a livable career for people or are we there already? 
Wow, that is a, that is certainly a mixed bag okay. um, here in Oregon. I can speak for Nimble. We are a. Um, uh, it's important to say that you get paid by check. <laughs> <laughs> when you are one of those companies. Um, we have full benefits. We even have pet benefits. Wow, oh my goodness. You are revolutionizing the <laughs> we industry. Are. We are, and um, some unique benefits of, you know, lunches are paid for mm -hmm. um, for our staff. There is an employee stock option plan, um, but I would say that Nimble is probably on one of the more business evolved side of sure. cannabis. Kind businesses. of the forefront of yes. it. Yes. Uh, well, last year we saw cannabis growers in Gresham go on strike and they were demanding that the company they work for recognize their union, also address claims of unsafe working conditions. And we've really seen a lot of labor movements in different industries, especially lately. We hear about it every day, it seems. What are you hearing from workers as far as what they feel they need to be successful in the industry? I don't, I, again, like I'm not sure that we're that different than any other industry um, other than 280E, right? And banking. Sure. And the banking you know, that we, we talked about. We have the, the same challenges the, that any and any business would have. Mm -hmm. uh, what, how are you finding employees? Because we do hear a lot about staffing shortages, and that's across across all um, you know industries right yeah. now. Not just not just yours, perhaps. If are you seeing that? Yeah, I, um, I think that Nimble has a bit of a unique advantage because of our 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 mission, our social mission of the organization. Um, we build. Um, a give or a reparation into the cost of goods of all of the brands and products that we own and manufacture. And um, it's been an advantage in recruiting because folks are really excited about that. Not only do you get to work at Nimble and be in the industry and have all of these great benefits, but you also get to contribute to a social mission and that's been a, an advantage for us. Um, but industry in general, it has the same struggles as any other sure. industry. You know, I live down the street from New Seasons and I know that they're hiring all the time too. You know, um, you touched on kind of that, that social aspect, um, you know, with a newer industry, can come the opportunity to try to build a more equitable future. And I'm curious about being a woman in this field. Um, maybe a decade ago, you might have heard women say, in this industry, we might not feel as much of that institutional sexism, or maybe not the glass ceiling is as high to shatter. Um, what's your experience been with that? Is that, is that kind of... Um what you encountered when you started out? I did. I yeah. think that, again, cannabis is a lot like other industries in that way. I think um, that when you look at what businesses get funded, um, you see uh, women-led businesses mm -hmm. at a smaller percentage. Mm -hmm. um, and then you see um, any other minority group also at a smaller percentage. Mm -hmm. So I think it really comes down to what can be capitalized. Um, and, and so, you know, again, it's, we're, we're in a fortunate place today, but the, but the early starts of ours, we felt all of the, we really felt that we were women. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, and, and what about racial equity in the industry? Is there still a ways to go with that? You mentioned minority-owned businesses. What do we need to see happen there to make it more equitable? We need to fund black, brown, and indigenous mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Are you seeing that happening though? I mean, uh, is the industry making strides? No. Let's start there. Well, yes, and. <laughs> yes and. Yes and. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's something, it, it is a big problem. And especially because our industry was built on the backs of people who even today still sit in prison for nonviolent cannabis sure. um, crimes. And um, yeah. yeah, it's not enough. Uh, there are a lot of organizations that are, you know, 
pushing the gas pedal on mm -hmm. this one and moving things forward. Um, and we have, you know, a legislature and regulators who understand and are trying to explore how to create more equity mm -hmm. um, in cannabis, but we've got a long ways to go. And there is a, there's a local organization, New Project, that does um, do funding for okay. equity-owned businesses, and our pre-roll pack kites gives 50 cents per pack to oh. that organization to now at the tune of almost $80,000 we've given. That's wonderful. What about for younger people maybe looking to make a career shift? What um, tips do you have for them? What should they What should they be thinking about as they shift? You know, I think that show up as if you're looking to get a job. You know, I think that um, that there is a lot of room for young, innovative minds in the cannabis space. And it really is just going to take that good, consistent employee who's going to show up well for the interview, who's going to show up well um, uh, to make their mark. But I actually think that you can have a bit of a big fish, small pond scenario for a limited time sure. that, that you are still there so you can grow quickly if you are a qualified candidate. And real quickly, Marissa, I'll leave you the last word. Any hopeful um, visions for the future? for the industry. Oh I gosh, for see. the whole industry. I know, and you got to keep it tight. <laughs> I hate to throw yes. you on the spot. <laughs> I mean, nothing but hopeful. We wouldn't be here if we weren't, you know, anything but hopeful. And we're really excited about the future for Oregon. It's really remarkable. Wonderful. Well, Marissa, Joy, thank you both so much for being with us today. And thank you for watching Straight Talk. Remember, you can watch all of our episodes on our KGW YouTube channel, or you can listen to Straight Talk as a podcast. We'll see you back here next week.